0: Hello everybody. We are here again with Mirna. Well, I shouldn't say again because I don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was like first. <laughs> <"Yeah>, Mirna again. <laughs> 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 like, <damn Yeah>. it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the learning experience brought to you by Trainers Forum, hosted by myself, Oscar, and Enlada.
0: Hi everyone. This is science and art of learning and learning in non-formal education so buckle up and enjoy this episode we are joined with uh, mirna schmidt today she is trainer of positive psychology and skills for trainers and founder of happiness academy and trainers toolbox hello mirna
1: hi good to be here
0: can you tell us a little bit more about yourself a little intro
1: uh, sure. Uh, as you said already, I'm a trainer working with positive psychology and also working with skills for trainers. I also work as a speaker and a coach. I had quite a, quite a diverse background actually coming into the place where I am today. Um, but today I really work with two of my biggest passions. Watch, one of them is this topic of you know self-development and building the life we really care about and building the life that we are really excited about, which I'm working with through Happiness Academy. And then also working on the topic of experiential education, non-formal education, um, helping other trainers develop their skills as a trainers. Uh, so I kind of found a way to merge my two passions under these two uh, projects.
0: Nice. And today we're going to talk about learning and uh, your, your journey as a trainer. So let's start there. What is learning for you, Mirna?
1: Oh, it's so many things. Uh, but maybe most important, I think, for me, it's really this process of improving, process of becoming better in some way, you know, better in something you do, and better in the way you are even, uh, developing our skills, and in some way, just this idea of growth and self-development. But it's also this other thing that's more about how we relate to the world, you know, growing more of a pers- new perspectives on the world, new knowledge about the world, um, new curiosity about the world as well so somehow about, it's about this balance between how am i growing but then also how am i relating to the world around me
0: and you are working now in non-formal education mainly where does your interest for education come from
1: I think it's been there like since forever. I always loved learning uh, and exploring new things, reading, you know, even within the context of formal education. I loved a lot of stuff in school. Just this idea of learning was always really inspiring, really motivating for me. Um, And through that journey, it was also that I discovered a lot of things in training and non-formal education and in different training methods. And a lot of topics related to my self-development, that's also positive psychology, but that's also, you know, about personalities and about the way we communicate and about many other topics. And I think one part that actually pushed me in the role of somebody who is educating others was this idea, you know, these things are too good for everyone not to work on them and not to learn them. And I somehow felt like I've been learning these things since forever and spent so many years exploring them and just developing these knowledge and skills. And I was always thinking, you know, how about helping others to do that quicker? <laughs> and how about, you know, helping them to really find what's most important for them? So it really came from this idea, wanting to share that further and wanting to do that in a better, more efficient way. By better, I mean faster and more impactful and in some way, maybe more engaging and memorable uh, for others.
0: You are talking here about uh, training, right?
1: Yes, uh, but even even before that, I always wanted to, you know, share stuff and talk about interesting things I learned, and so that also kind of grew into uh, in different phases towards different uh, ways of working with knowledge. Let's say
0: it sounds like you've been someone who was uh, helping out with homeworks in high school, right?
1: <laughs> That's you No, know, more like somebody who was having interesting philosophical discussions over coffees in high school. <laughs> oh, okay. And saying, you know, this amazing book I've read, and what about this, and what about that? Yeah, more, more, oh, more on that side. Asking new questions maybe more than uh, helping others answer uh, other questions.
0: <laughs> so Mirna was that kid that had a lot of questions in, in school <laughs> yeah, and in yeah, general totally, all the time. <laughs>
1: totally. That nightmare. <laughs>
0: amazing I think I was I was like that in high school but I was also the one who was solving everyone's homework (laughs) and I was like let me it's not that I want to do this but let me do this for you let me teach you math and and then everyone was like okay let's do it and then I didn't even charge my classes Uh, But I really enjoyed the process of learning and the educational part there and that's why I'm (laughs) studying education now And everyone was like this is so you Mladen. Why did you want to go in any other direction? Can you tell us how it all started for you?
1: Yeah, sure. So while I was still in high school, uh, I really loved psychology Uh, Yet at that time uh, going to study psychology was not that appealing to me and the reason why it wasn't was because the orientation of where you could go workwise after psychology in my, you know, in my country at the time and at that time was quite focused on this, you know, how can you help others fix something? And how can, can you can you work on you know fixing the anomalies and the, the negative behaviors? And usually place for psychologists was, you know, in school or in, in sort of a factory type of a setting where you would be there to help the problematic ones, that, that kind of setting. And for me, the part I loved about learning, it's like I said, it's a that one about improving, but from perspective, growing your potential. So not fixing your flaws, but like growing into new things and developing new things. So while my passion, there was a lot of passion for psychology in theory, in practice, I didn't see that career pathway working out for me. Um, At the same time, I was quite, I loved math as well, and physics and these topics. Um, And I loved, you know, logical processes, logical reasoning, practical approaches, where we really actually build something and we see the impact of it. Um, So I went to study engineering and I went to study electrical engineering and computing, more on the side of computing. And I loved the university approach that I was attending and I quite found my place there. Um, but one part of me was also still you know a lot in these topics about psychology and, and learning about myself and about personality and all of these things. And within one of the student organization, Best, um, which is international, let's say it's Board of European Students of Technology, um, I encountered this concept of training. So I joined Best because the main theme of best apart from engineering was traveling and I was really keen on traveling then. But then by joining i got involved in a lot of different projects and i had a lot of opportunities to focus my involvement around working with others on developing their skills so i was active in in a local board of organizations as hr responsible and i started doing some of the trainings for them and just delivering some knowledge and just encountered this concept of a training which was not known to me before and just the joy of, of how that works and feeling really that it's really valuable concept um, and really valuable thing to work with. So I went to finish a professional education for train the trainer as well. It was first of a kind in my, in my city and in my, in my country at the time. It was one year long education. And as I went through it, I was just like falling more and more uh, in love with training. So as while I graduated from engineering, I also, around the same time, finished this program. Uh, I started working in engineering. I loved that as well. I felt like a split personality for like 10 years, uh, trying to merge these two passions and partially succeeding, but partially there was always a bit of a gap in between. Um, So I worked in pre-sales engineering, which was really nice as well because it was technology that was... Growing extremely rapidly, changing like daily or every couple of days. So, there was a lot of learning involved and a lot of helping others to pick it up. So, that was quite appealing to me as well. Uh, But then I was also chasing every opportunity to work with people on their, you know, what we would call soft skills, although it's not the best name, on their professional skills and personal skills and interpersonal skills on communication, on setting their goals, on emotional intelligence, on all of these topics. So I looked for every opportunity and those opportunities often work through different international NGOs or cross-NGO projects, uh, kind of again in that concept of of non-formal education, but also within my work. Uh, I worked for a big IT company, which was an amazing place to work, uh, really good uh, culture of a company and really healthy environment, and a lot of chance to be proactive and do uh, projects you want to chase. So I was also always pushing there to do more and more training projects. But with time, uh, it kind of became clear that these two passions are separating a little bit. On one side, in engineering, the learning curve became slower and slower as I was getting higher and higher in that technical expertise. And uh, also the uh, technology was getting more mature, so there was less to learn. Uh, And at the same time, I was getting more and more in love with positive psychology and with that aspect of training. And I realized after 10 years exactly uh, that engineering is not fulfilling me in that way anymore, Uh, especially in perspective of the future. Where is it taking me next? That that's not a path that will be more fulfilling, but probably will be coming less and less fulfilling. At the same time, training, which I thought I would be bored of, 10 years later, I was still like, Where can I find an opportunity to do more training? So that led me to really move into that direction. Still before leaving engineering, I also went to study positive psychology. By that time, I knew that's a direction I want to take within uh, training and education. Uh, So, yeah, I went to study. And once I graduated, I also closed off that whole engineering side of me. Still part of my identity, but no longer part of my career. Um, and I did a little bit of a break. I said, after 10 years of double career, I deserve a break. Uh, Part of well-being and spoiling myself. Uh, And then I really took um, working with Happiness Academy and Trainers Toolbox, which already existed as a project, but they were kind of, you know, side projects, little things to play with. And then I picked them up around two and a half years ago to really focus on them and really build them up into what I wanted.
0: Wow. This is... This is crazy how 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 your story shaped you as a as an as a trainer and then how you're using the knowledge from from one to build up on another. Can can you tell us more about training a trainer's tool? What is that?
1: Yeah, trainer's toolbox really started as as a blog. Uh, so it started with this idea that as I was encountering trainers on many different projects and different NGO projects, and incorporate a lot of different ones, and in different countries, I noticed one thing, and that was that they all have some really strong sides of their background, and that they have things that they know nothing about, in the sense of the tools, and so on. And they might have still been effective trainers, but as trainers love self-development, I was kind of like, hey, I have some other tools, let's, you know, uh, let's share them and let's talk about tools more and let's talk about different approaches. So that shaped the idea of Trainers Toolbox, which started as a blog where I, I was writing, but also some of the other trainers and where the idea was to just uncover new approaches and tools and ideas for trainers. So it was shaped as a project mainly focused on trainers, but also coaches Who would be in that constant search of new areas to explore, new tools that they can incorporate in their learning, new approaches, just new good questions for thinking as well. Um, So the the vision behind it was that as blog posts, we wouldn't go into exploring one approach very deeply, uh, but instead it would really be touching on quite different um, tools and topics Uh, from some also guests from um, a couple of my different backgrounds as well that I'm merging together. And the idea was that a trainer would go there and they would see three posts for which they would say, yeah, I know this. And then three for which they would say, huh, what's that? Or, hey, I heard of this. What is that all about? So the purpose of all posts was really to give some just insights in which direction can you go to explore more about this and what this tool might be Uh, and so on. So from that, it was always my dream. It would grow in uh, also train-the-trainer programs because it's one part of uh, topics I'm most passionate about. And also maybe in different uh, positive psychology tools for trainers as I'm working with those topics a lot as well. Um, However, I did not expect that train-the-trainer programs would start that soon. I was like more like, yeah, that's going to go with time. For now, I'm working on other things. And then some things just aligned, and now we finished, we just finished last month's fourth train the trainer program within uh, within Trainers Toolbox. And I can say it's still like probably the most programs I'm most passionate about because they, they're so deep in the way people think about themselves and about their profession. And I really enjoy working with uh, with new trainers. Um, we are also playing with different topics there. This year, I'm working a lot on virtual skills for trainers, obviously. It was a topic we kind of had as part of the offer before, because I spent eight out of 10 years of my IT career working virtually, and also around half of my training uh, experiences is in virtual, not half maybe, but quite a lot of it uh, is in virtual space as well. So, But now this is really a topic that's in demand, obviously. And then there's some other new ideas and topics that we are developing and playing with which about which I might tell you later um, but that's kind of the idea is really to build skills for trainers like TTt train the trainer and also advanced skills for trainers in some specific areas uh, where we feel like there is a gap in terms of um, in terms of market and in terms of uh, training let's say world
0: what I hear from your story is that you attended one type of train the trainers event which was one year
1: right yeah ah you mean as as a participant yes and then i was delivering a few different NGOs in bigger teams of trainers and then now i'm doing them mainly on my own
0: because for me the the idea of train the trainers was that it's like a conference it's like three days extensive and everything how how i saw it like i've been on two of them as a as a trainer there and uh, those are my favorite events because they're very focused on the content and um, Even like for me, those four days, both of those conferences were like four days of content. And then you just see the growth of those people that want to do trainings. How does that look from from your experience when when the events are longer? So
1: the the train the training that I joined was stretched over a year, but it was like three days per month. So it was like 12 modules of three days, which is still quite a lot, if you think. Um, these days, I don't know of so comprehensive program and I would love to do it, but I don't know who would find the time for that in terms of participants and so on. So today, the shape with which I work is in multiple three or four hour modules in combination with a couple of full days. Um, I've been a trainer also on a lot of six or eight days events, as, uh, but then there were bigger group of trainers and big bigger group of attendees. Uh, on Trainers Toolbox, we work, it's usually just me as a trainer, sometimes with some guest trainers, and we have up to eight, but usually aim for only six participants, because we deliver most of the program in a way that they're delivering most of the models, most of the content. And then we get a lot of discussion and feedback, and it's super experiential um, in sense that you know they get a model to deliver, and they're required to also use that model as a method to deliver that model. And it's a lot of these kind of, you know, meta-glasses, which is basically when you do something in a group and then you take these glasses where you kind of peek behind the curtain in the theatre, so you see what are actually the actors trying to do and how, and we discuss that. And that's really where the learning happens, when you experience a situation, and then maybe as a trainer, I can say, you know, this is why I designed this situation like this. And these are the advantages of that approach. And these are the adva- disadvantages. And how would you do it differently? And what would you So we do a lot of this kind of reasoning. And I love exploring those perspectives. So for that, we will work in six modules of three hours. Um, that That's changing sometimes a little bit. but you, This is how it looks right now. Six modules of three hours that are stretched over around two months. So we'll have two modules, and then two weeks of a break, and then two modules, something like that. So modules will be afternoon or evening because it's usually for professionals who work in some job and then not all of them are delegated by their work to join. Most of them are looking to change their career or something like that. Uh, And then in that, uh, that space in between allows us time that they again try out some things, prepare for new things and so on. Uh, and then we'll do two days, full day, sometimes two days together, sometimes with a bit of break in between, on which again, we'll do a lot of things, um, trying it, you know, this longer format and the full day and so on. And then we'll have two modules for kind of after closing and so on. In this, we will cover the topics of the foundations of adult learning. That's all we talked about these days about non-formal education. So it's about adult learning, brain-based learning, experiential learning, uh, how to approach you know why would we do learning in this way uh, what does that mean in approach what are many of the examples how to build uh, facilitation around that uh, how much should the trainer be facilitator how much should it be presenter um, how to form learning goals many things like that uh, this is really about understanding the process so when we talk about tools and models we always focus on why why would you use that why would you use this instead what, what are the advantages and disadvantages? And then we will look into the design and delivery as two kind of, that's kind of three main pillars, foundations, design and delivery. In design, we talk about the design of experience on many different levels in terms of duration, the depth of the experience, design of activities. And then we'll talk about delivery in terms of facilitation, opening, closing, creating emotions, creating flow of emotions, um, just, you know, guiding activities, creating discussions and so on. Uh, And with all of this, we (laughs) play with a lot of practice and experience. Uh, So for me, that still doesn't feel enough time to explore all the topics we would want to. (laughs) There is always more to them as well. They always have more things they would want to discuss. Um, But it's really, that's also the program that's having amazing reactions from participants. They literally claim it to be kind of, they came for professional reasons and it ended up a bit of life changing in terms of getting new insights. Um, And now we are doing it since this year, this fourth group was the first one in this new blended learning format, where basically all these intro modules, the first six are virtual, and then we do live weekend, and then also two more virtual modules. And that way we also work on both skills on both levels for virtual training and for physical training.
0: You mentioned that uh, Train the Trainers was also... Kind of like a life-changing experience for you because after that you went into training right
1: yeah for me it was just about really good discussions we had there and the, you know discussions about how we think and what matters to us and how our personality is different and how is our communication different and how can we understand others better and how can we manage ourselves better and which of our skills do we want to develop and i think really trainer as, as who the trainer is it's so down who the person is, right? And, and what are your skills? And for me, maybe the most important concept, and I think every trainer whoever worked with me knows me being like a parrot around this. It's really this concept of walking the talk. You cannot be a trainer of presentation skills if you're not a good presenter. Uh, you cannot talk about emotional intelligence and emotions management if you don't handle yourself well. And I know some people would disagree on that, but for me, that's really the core. Who you are as a core, and of course, we all have more to learn, uh, but who you are, how you bring that into the space, how you use your strengths and go around your weaknesses to compensate for them in learning process, and how you demonstrate the things you kind of preach, um, for me, that's really in the core. I think that's something we um we cannot not work on and i think also all trainers are a bit in love with self-development so that's an easy topic for trainers to go into right
0: yes for me when i did my first train the trainers conference it was also kind of like life-changing because i then then that was the reason why i attended the second one which I, i would say completely changed my focus in life i was working in i was working in school and then I decided, let me just go back in non-formal education and work for an NGO. <laughs> and it was, it was a really smart decision because uh, I did feel that I fit there more with my inputs, with uh, creating more sessions and uh, taking sort of like the ownership and creativity that I have com- directly into, into those uh, parts. And I agree with you that you cannot do sessions if you're not doing what you're what you're facilitating and what you're training people to do, and uh, for me the most funny part was when I, when I had a session on body language and I'm telling them about, uh, for example, how to handle your hands or how to how to uh, move them if you're not moving your hands at all while you're having uh, while you're delivering a session. Or, if you're moving them too much, what to do? And then, what? Uh, at, when we had that session, I think this was, uh, this was back in Lithuania, 2019, so some of them were like, well, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, you're doing that, because we were co- co-facilitating with one other girl. And I'm like, yes, th- this is what we're doing, so we're also doing this with you here, but we're just telling you. And they're like, wow, this is like behind the scenes (laughs) and it was so so interesting so i really i would really advocate for for that uh, part that you have to be careful that what you actually tell people during those trainings that you're actually doing that because if they see that you're not doing that they're not going to do it or if you didn't have time to do it for example um it happened a few times that we couldn't For example make flip charts or something and then you're like okay we really didn't have red mark marker (laughs) but just to be very honest with that and then just explain why you're not using let's say bright colors when you're explaining something that is uh, not supposed to be that uh, colorful or something like that
1: yeah i I think there is also a magic in this discussing why are we doing things the way we are doing so kind of not saying you know you see the way i'm using my hands in body language is perfect do the same But instead going like, you know, doing it this way leads to that with the audience. And do you notice this? Do you feel this? Let me do that. And how do you feel when I do that? And how is it impacting you? And now when I do this other thing, in theory, that could contribute to, I don't know, people feeling more detached from from me in that, or people feeling confused by too much, you know, hand movements or whatever. Let's try that. Do you experience that? How does that seem for you? And I think that magic of actually what you said, going behind the scenes and actually uh, allowing that there is no one right answer, and that not the same thing is always you know, the right thing to do, because otherwise in presentation skills, you get robots. <laughs> you get like you know, for me, that's really not the best way of working with presentation skills, and just as an example of, of a topic uh, where you give them the set of rules and then you train them to follow those rules perfectly. Yeah, you will be professional and really boring presenter, you know. I think it's about magic of uncovering the authenticity, but then also putting it in the way that it can really shine because you have other things under control. And I think that's the true in every topic we are working with, you know. How is this bringing out your best and how are you, you know, polishing the edges, but still to, to actually allow your uniqueness to, to come across and not to fit in frame you know that's what in formal education we encounter more fitting in frame in non-formal we want to do exactly the opposite build creativity and you know play out of the box
0: yes i agree completely and for me when we finish the uh, these like uh, educational part let's say in the train the trainers and you see the practical part when they deliver the session and they do the things that they are uh, that they were learning and for me those were the most valuable parts you still have to tell them something there's always something to 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 change to improve to let's say even there's no perfect trainer you, there's no perfect trainer who's going to do the session in such an amazing way but the trainer has to make the trainer has to make space a learning environment. That that's what, what what I would what I would say. And back back to like exaggerating on on things that are actually happening when, when we're when we're telling them, okay, this is why this doesn't work. If you do this too much, it looks like this. And um, I think it happened once that I was that we had people that were standing too close to us, but we never imagined that they would stand too close to us because we we didn't we didn't we talked about the positioning when 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 you're a trainer, but in in that sense, I think we missed that part. We were like, okay, they would maybe know about that, and then they were just so close to us, and, and then they didn't even realize I was just trying to tell them with my hands because. We were supposed to just uh, evaluate their, their training. This was the last day. And then after that, I exaggerated like, look, you came too close and looked at us like hamsters. And they all start laughing. And it's all about that laughter because if you come too close, if you do things with your hand too much it becomes ridiculous. It becomes either funny or it becomes what is this person doing? So it's all about that moderation, finding that middle ground when it comes to those things. But then again, you know, making the, the, the environment uh, friendly and making the learning environment, it has to do with some other parts. And what would be the most interesting part for you to, to do during the Train the Trainers events?
1: For me, I, I really focus a lot on having them think with why in mind it's like everything we do i challenge why did you do that and and not not challenging like provocative way like why (laughs) but really like hey what were you thinking behind it what what led you to design it in this way what led you to deliver it in this way and how did that work out did you achieve that goal what when yes when no what were the obstacles And it's really about this goal-oriented approach. And I think that's a bit of legacy of engineering as well. Like this really need that we focus on goal a lot, that it's not, you know, for trainers, it's so easy to fall in love with our content. It's like, we love our models. We love our tools. We love the things we talk about. And it's so easy to be, let me just talk about my content and let me share these things with you. And let's do this great activity. And it's easy to get engaged in that. If you create a process that's engaging and fun, that's really easy to do. Or the opposite, or we are in love with the process, and what will they discover? And you know, look their insights, and look what they said, and what they said. But is that leading you to the goal, or is that beautiful and nice learning, but went somewhere else? And for me, that's really the core of how we work with a lot of why. With you know, every model we use, why are we using that model? Uh, what are it again? Advantages, disadvantages, but also how is that model doing that? What is supposed to do? And that's again back to that. Um, Everything we talk about in non-formal education—giving ownership, giving right to reason on your own, and and permission and encouragement to reason on your own—and to say, actually, I don't like that. I don't want you know. I don't want to use that model. Great if you understood it and you decided you don't want to use it. That's like trainer level advanced. <laughs> that's you know better than. And and we talk about some models that are disputed, like you know learning styles of Honey and Mumford and. That which are very always controversial because you know not not evidence based enough, and half people love them, half of people hate them, and and then sometimes trainers who see them as myths, they won't talk about it because you know that's a myth. We should why not? Let's talk about myths. Let's let's see how myths can be useful and let's see how myths can be dangerous. And for me, it's really a lot about that. Also, a little bit of critical thinking, maybe, but I think even more goal oriented, mixed with. Curious thinking. You know, uh, what is our goal? And what are all the different perspectives we can have about reaching that goal and different creative ways and different um, paths to to build that up? I think that's really the the art and the beauty that no two trainings will be the same, but each training will or will not achieve its learning goal. Um, And I think that's what we are trying to balance somehow, give them a lot of flexibility, a lot of creativity to bring in a lot of their authenticity and strengths and again, compensate for their weaknesses in a way, but really to do all of that using themselves, their skills, their knowledge their behavior as a tool that serves the learning goal and the learning process.
0: Yes. I, I, I love what, the, what you just said. And, um, what, what are the future projects that, uh, you're working on for train trainers toolbox and, um... Do you see some type of different development of the, of the project in general, like the organization?
1: Uh, I think it's more about uh, focusing a bit more and growing in the same direction. So right now what we are doing on, on it's blog and train the trainer programs, virtual skills for trainers and positive psychology tools for, for trainers and coaches. That's what's existing now and what's working out nicely. And what I want to do is on one side, Uh, Move TTT to different locations as well. We are trying to do it this year in Amsterdam and Florence if COVID allows. Uh, So, Amsterdam and Florence is the next two planned locations. We are doing, we just finished one in Zagreb, right? Uh, And the dream is to move it to a few more locations in Europe, plus Cape Town, personal dream of mine. (laughs) No, one more location. So that's one of the things that I would really like to build over the next couple of years to really build it as a program that runs in in multiple locations. Uh, And then the second thing is some new topics we are planning to roll out. Uh, One of them, the main one that's on my mind these days uh, that will be happening in several months is um, managing and working with emotions and energy in training. So really this aspect of How are we using emotions to build more impactful learning processes? Um, That's a topic I I have on my mind for a long time. I'm playing with it a lot, reading about, discussing, learning. um, And we talk about it a lot in TTT. And I realized we are only TTT I know of, and I know of a lot of TTTs, (laughs) uh, which actually talks about this topic. Um, And I think that's a topic all trainers should think about and learn about more. Uh, So that's the plan to do a course on that. Just a couple of uh, modules and just explore different aspects of the topic. And another one I'm playing with is something like uh, career development for trainers type of a thing. So for somebody transitioning in that career, what are some of the aspects they want to keep in mind? That one I'm struggling a little bit with. Because I don't want to step into the area of business development and marketing, because that's not my expertise. I really want to work with more, you know, skill development, maybe also network development. Um, how are you seeing yourself, you know, your identity as a trainer in these topics? Uh, so that topic, I'm still a little bit unsure if we'll, if we'll launch it. But that's one of the also. To, um, because that's something that people come to me often with that question, like, you know, how do you go from an engineer to a trainer, <laughs> right? Or, you know, how did that happen overnight? And I'm like, hmm, not overnight, number one. Uh, but that's some, something that I'm also, I think, might have sense to help others uh, play with that a little bit and uh, learn more.
0: So, my next question is uh, How do you go from an engineer to trainer? And uh, <laughs> how do you switch your career overnight? <laughs>
1: yeah, um... but it, I think this all starts from, you know, not, not, not ignoring what you really like doing and, and not, you know, not getting stuck in one identity of yours and not think you can't have more of them. You can't do everything and you can't be everything. But we can be multiple things. I think. I think it's even good because then a trainer can ask an engineer how would that engineer like this education, <laughs> which is sometimes a very useful uh, voice to have. So yeah.
0: Amazing! You actually had a, a an answer for this. I was just <laughs> joking. I was gonna start another question, but you started <laughs> answering, so it was cool. <laughs> um, let's let us uh, let us go back to. I, I forgot to ask this, but I think in this context, we really want to l- learn a little bit more about that. So COVID and virtual training ship. Can you tell us few things that happened now? What, what was the demand? Let me, let me rephrase this again. Oh, this is my long question. Um, entanglement. Okay, three, two, one. Let's go back to one thing that I, I haven't circled back yet and it's about COVID and virtual virtual training. What was the most demanding session? What is the thing that people want to do now in virtual setting? What was something that they were looking for? Because you said that you already did that like for like six years before, but now there was like a really high demand for virtual training and skills that you can do in virtual environment.
1: Yeah, so there was this big push, obviously, for everyone, like a year ago, to move to virtual training. And uh, I actually have a great uh, comment from from recent uh, participant in one of the workshops where she said, a year ago, we all looked for the quickest, least painful way to migrate to virtual. So, a year ago, that was a lot about, you know, I have this program, I'm running it in physical. The company wants me to run it in virtual next week. I have no experience in virtual. Help! And not even in terms of also in terms of platforms and so on, but really in terms of skills. You know, how do you build interaction in virtual? That's the most common question. How do you maintain energy? How do you maintain intention? These was the questions that were arising and that were really focused on mapping. A year ago, everybody were really focused on migrating. Just the physical outline they have, you know, we need to deliver it in virtual, like now, next week, next month. So we have no experience. Um, we are not sure how to build that up, how to build interaction, how to build energy on the call, how to engage people, how to not have them, you know, look at the, their phones while we are talking about something, how to know they're actually involved. Uh, but that was really just kind of like, you know, Um, copy pasting and you know let's move to that new medium and let's cover the gaps basically let's you know quickly cover the pains and then just do it that way and now I think it really grew within this year into a perspective of how do you actually build a virtual experience that's cool how do you not just survive as a trader in virtual it was literally a question a year ago Uh, but really how do you build something that's you know engaging and fun and inspiring and it's really different. And were you really building this experiential experience um, with a lot of engagement, with the different insights, with original tools, with original methods? So now I would say questions got a little bit more advanced, which is cool, you know, um, and more demanding and maybe more creative in terms of what are people trying to build up. And I think the main message I usually start with any virtual, being it two hours or five days, you know, about virtual training, I'll always start with saying, don't map the physical to virtual, because then you will get just the, you know, worse copy. You will get, you know, the similar tools, but they're a little bit less fun in virtual, right? Instead, redesign completely. Go back to your learning goal and start from the goal. And then, then think of what is the virtual method? What is the virtual approach, the virtual tool? That you can actually use so that's back to goal or into the approach what are you trying to build what are you trying to create uh what motivation what emotion which knowledge which skill and then in virtual, what are ways of doing that um, in different ways
0: thank you for giving us uh, a little bit uh, like a sneak peek of uh, or like a report on how how it actually looked like in uh, last year and probably it's different uh, now because everything stayed virtual i think some people actually thought that it would be just few months or like six months but now it's just in some in some parts i think it might even stay for a bit longer okay thank you so much for telling us all about your your experience and the trainers tool can you tell us now top three things for trainers for new trainers and then is there something that all trainers can use to improve
1: Sure. I would say, again, start from why. Know why you're delivering a session. Know what what is the learning goal. What is the main priority? What is it that you're trying to kind of design? Um, Then the second thing would definitely be um, related to knowing yourself. So try to learn and understand based on your own self-reflection, based on feedback, based on experience, what are you good at and how can you really leverage that? Um, and how can you, you know, um, use that for the learning goal as a tool? And also, what are your weaknesses and what are your blind spots? What is your natural style as a communicator, as a presenter, as a trainer, as a facilitator, as a personality, uh, as a friend, as anything? You know? but what is your nat- natural style and who is suffering because of your style? You know, who is the person in your training room who who need something else and how can you help them? Uh, And I think the third one is maybe related to trust the process. Uh, And that one sounds sometimes a bit poetic and, and it's challenging, but it's really about this idea of knowing the goal, having a plan and being ready to sacrifice that plan when you realize something really meaningful is enveloping in a group, in a debriefing, in a discussion. And I think this third one is one that requires a bit of experience as a trainer and facilitator, but that's really where the magic happens. When you see something is not going the way you imagined it, but you see there are some amazing treasures and they're related to the goal (laughs) that you can uncover and and build up um, and help people uh, learn. So I think that that's one of the things also to go with more trust. And enjoy that discovery together with your participants, instead of kind of you know navigating them very strictly in directions you want.
0: Thank you, Mirna, for sharing these things with us and uh, for being here today and discussing your journey, which I'm sure will help someone, some some of our audience to to take more risks and to improve their trainings or to become a trainer and see um, how they can have this life-changing experience for the, for themselves as well
1: oh thank you for the invitation i think one thing we really have as a trainer is also the tribe of trainers and this similar values in terms of self-development and always learning so i think it's also amazing when we all connect more and share ideas like this and just keep the conversation going
0: Yes, exactly. And both of us are in the Trainers Forum community in general, and we do a lot of sharing and a lot of uh, peer-to-peer learning from, from each other. So if there is some trainer there that hasn't joined the group or hasn't been involved with us, just check the, the group on Facebook. It's called train, Trainers Forum, or you can just uh, contact us from the list that we have here in the in the description of the podcast so thank you mirna so much for being here today and uh, i wish you all the best with the uh, trainer's tool and um, we're so happy to have you for this episode of uh, the learning experience Cool.
1: thank you see you somewhere in virtual space soon.